everyone. Welcome back to Nightmare Now. I'm your host, Eric Byrne, and I'm saying specifically welcome back because we're continuing our series on presidential health cover-ups through the ages, and this is part two of that. I guess it's not really through the ages because the U.S. is only 250 years old, but I'm sure people were covering up the health of leaders long before that. Earlier, we took a look at Grover Cleveland's backdoor hammer time dentistry session and the repercussions thereof, but this week we're going to talk a few more presidents that were uh, a little bit unwell. But worry not, but worry not, listeners, I won't end on any cliffhangers on this one, and if you so choose, you can listen to this one completely standalone, although you miss out on some fun Sesame Street bits from last week with the guy named Grover. I understand there's only so much time on your morning commute, and maybe you're a Wilson guy rather than a Cleveland guy, so who am I to judge? So with a quick thanks for tuning in, thanks for tuning in, check out the website at nightmarenow.com to see the other episodes, find part one, or get in touch. And without further ado, let's just get down with Woody Wilson and see what's causing him some problems. So Woodrow Wilson, W.W. He was a weird looking dude. All the portraits of him look halfway between like McLovin from Superbad, H.P. Lovecraft, and like like a face morph of everyone in a 100 level physics class. Probably a 300 level physics class. He was the 28th president of the United States. His major achievements include dealing with WW1. Uh, he joined the Great War to ready the world for democracy. Some things never change, eh? I feel like people who learn history are more doomed to repeat it than the ones who don't. The ones that don't just don't care. They don't notice. The ones that do watch the news and are just like... <laughs> One thing that I thought was kind of neat is that the people that saw the Civil War also saw World War One in a lot of cases. In my mind, those are way farther apart, but it was really only like 50 years between the American Civil War and World War One. Can you imagine being a Civil War vet fighting at like 14 and then <laughs> seeing the newsreels of planes, gas attacks, and artillery? Jesus. Ah, uh, the dude created the Federal Reserve, so fuck him for that. But we're not doing a deep dive to talk about his policy. I'm sure you can find some boring NPR poli-sci show to do that. Uh, this is American History Under the Microscope with Keith Schlappenberger. Thanks for being here today, and thanks to listeners like you, I can speak dangerously close to a microphone in a patronizing tone. That's my NPR impression. It's not very good. Maybe I'll cut it. Maybe I won't. I just want to give a time frame, though, for, for Wilson's lies, his administration's lies. He suffered a major stroke in October of 1919, and he basically tried to play it off, which was a lot easier before the widespread adoption of television. But he basically went MIA for months after the stroke, which the public was not really told about. He just kind of didn't show up to things. There wasn't really any explanation as to why. He just, you know, oh, the president's not here again. Whoopsie. Following that month, he was barely visible in public affairs, taking only close meetings and talks with his doctors. He wasn't doing any big kind of stump speeches or anything like that. A doctor finally announced that he had a bit of a nervous breakdown, which is surprising in its own right that they'd even say that much, because that would make I feel like that would make the president look weak, too, which is a lot of what they were... I talked about this in the last one, but a lot of what they're trying to avoid with these cover-ups is trying to make the president look weak. You know, if the king is ill, the currency of the realm suffers. You know, all that kind of stuff. 
you know, pretty much it's never a great time to go to the hospital. I feel like when you go to a hospital, it's always like, oh, why did I have to break my leg today? I have a big project coming up or I was about to hit a PR at the gym. But really, there isn't a great time to go to the hospital where it's like, you know, oh, I don't have a lot to do coming up. So at least <laughs> at least when I broke my leg, I, I uh I wasn't, I didn't have any plans or anything. Like, it doesn't really tend to work like that. And much the same way, it's also never a great time for the president to fall ill. It's like, oh, you know, we just had the midterm election, so there's not a whole lot of policy stuff coming. It, it really doesn't work like that for the president. And in Wilson's case, and Wilson's case was no exception. In short, the world was in turmoil after the first great war, the likes of which humanity had never seen. And much of the fledgling world government that would eventually become pretty much the UN looked to Wilson and the United States for guidance. The problem was, after his heart episode, Wilson couldn't focus on a single policy topic for more than 10 minutes without getting a debilitating headache or falling asleep. History does repeat itself, huh? At least now we have teleprompters and stimulants. <laughs> if we look deeper, though, and much of this information, of course, only came out years and decades later, we had records of Wilson suffering multiple debilitating strokes, one in 1896, one in 1902, 1904, 1906. The dude had a biannual streak for a while, streak, <laughs> stroke streak for a while. And the next part is literally ripped out of the headlines of the last few administrations. The White House doctor was an unqualified buffoon that got a fly-by-night expedited medical degree in a year from a small institution kind of like a medical degree farm you know how they have those uh universities where it's just like oh you know you show up and take a couple of classes and here you go here's your degree and it's like it's not really a there's little asterisks at the bottom it's like we're not actually accredited anywhere but if nobody checks into that you're good to go uh that was kind of what he was dealing with on the doctor front and president wilson was prescribed a lot of extra leisure he was only allowed to work three or four hours a day and get lots of sleep in between when not sleeping he got <laughs> to do long drives through the country and an occasional round of light golf they were literally treating the president like he was a fucking old golden retriever and it Honestly, not too different than it is today, is it? This Dr. Grayson, uh, the weird doctor, managed to effectively cover up that big stroke in 1917 by limiting the president's availability to meet with people. I mean, at least he mostly made it through the war. So that was good. But it was at this point, the current Secretary of State, Robert Lansing, pretty much kicked his way into the Oval Office doors to meet with Dr. Grayson and the president's private secretary, Joseph Tumulty, Talk about a tumultuous time. Lansing was essentially like, okay, he's messed up. And because of this provision thing in the Constitution, what is that, the 25th Amendment? Was that actually around then? Yeah, actually, I guess the 25th Amendment wasn't technically in place at that time. But there was a provision in the Constitution saying that it was the vice president's Thomas Marshall's time to step up because Wilson wasn't doing jack shit. And... Dr. Grayson and Tumulty basically tell him to get stuffed because neither one of them is going to be the one to certify Wilson's disability. The president's own doctor and his private secretary, not not any kind of elected official, mind you. I don't know if that still happens. I'm sure it does. But they were the closest ones to the president at the time. And they were basically like, yeah, we're not going to say that he's all jacked up like he is. And basically, if anyone else does, 
We'll, de- we'll just deny it. We'll dispute it. Basically threatening uh, Lansing. Tumulty even said something to the effect of, if the president knew of this betrayal, your ass would be on the street in an instant. I paraphrase that. That wasn't a quote, so I don't know why I went into it you know, older timey voice, but that was basically what he was saying. So the secretary of state is basically getting bullied by a literal secretary just being like, hey, I would keep your fucking mouth shut if I were you. And after this, Lansing kind of backed down, but he had a meeting with the cabinet and he called in Dr. Grayson, who was like, yeah, he's not really feeling well, sure, but I can't really confirm or deny he had a stroke. Just basically a complete wet noodle meeting, which ended up with Wilson coming out later into the meeting and being like, why are you all meeting with my doctor and whose authority is it on? Because he obviously didn't want to give up the presidency either. And basically the whole cabinet went tail tucked in legs and just let the madness continue. After this, Wilson basically became an impotent hobo living in the White House. He could barely walk and he grew like a long white beard and basically sat on the White House porch in a blanket watching the trees blow in the wind he was like um what's his name hector from breaking bad just kind of chilling there with his little dinging bell it was at this point that he was effectively no longer the president not through any kind of legal channels that the vice president would take over but uh the vice president actually never saw him again in an official capacity until the end of his term like, he, I'm sure he saw him at events or whatever, but they didn't talk face-to-face or anything. They never met for, like, meetings or unofficial meetings either until the end of his term, which is nuts. But I, I don't think that that's actually that uncommon when it comes to vice presidents. Maybe to that extreme, sure, but you have a lot of times vice presidents are picked for, you know, to pick up extra votes on the ticket, basically. Like, for example, JFK, when he had Johnson on the ticket, that was kind of to placate a wide swath of the voters to be like, oh, okay, great, we'll have him on there too. The same way uh, Trump was courting evangelicals with Mike Pence or uh, Biden was you know, patronizing a bunch of people with Kamala Harris. And, and it's a, oh, and then of course, um, what was that guy's name? Tim Kaine getting on TV and ta- and speaking Spanish and all that stuff. The vice president, a lot of times is just like a kind of a buy one, get one kind of deal. Like, oh, if you vote for me, you know, this guy will kind of be close to the presidency. And, and so that, that part wasn't typically super uncommon, but I think to that extreme where they just like literally did not see each other probably was and given the state of wilson they probably should have met and they probably should have had thomas marshall step up but lansing wasn't permitted to meet with him that was the secretary of state again instead having to give the first lady notices and receive responses from air quotes him but always in wilson's wife's hand the first lady's handwriting one of the many times we've already had a female president most of the official proclamations from Wilson were really from Tumulty, who wasn't, again, wasn't there in any kind of elected capacity. So there's just like a bunch of, you know, non-elected people that are essentially running the show while Woodrow Wilson is basically <laughs> sitting around doing the fat Thor thing. And he'd, he'd just be, in this day and age, he'd just be playing Fortnite. But the cabinet met without the president dozens of time, but they are pretty much mostly ineffectual without presidential approval, which they really weren't getting, except on the rare times when he did show up and 
he couldn't focus on anything, so he would just kind of say yes to whatever they said. The whole situation is is basically uh, Theoden and Grima Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings, and it's entirely true. They have this guy, Tumulty, and the, the president's wife just calling all the shots where the public has no idea. Um, one of the cabinet members said in one of the meetings that Wilson did show up to, he was just sitting glassy-eyed in uh, the meeting in his makeshift wheelchair. I guess he didn't want like an actual wheelchair. So he had just like a regular kitchen table chair with four wheels, basically like a, a rolly office chair and would just agree to anything they decided. Quote, enduring the meeting was the paramount thought in his mind, if there were any thoughts at all, end quote. I mean, I can relate to that at staff meetings at my old job. Then it just gets sad. Wilson said at one point, maybe it would have just been better if I died back then. Aw. Like, I feel bad for the guy. I do, but just, like, step down. But he persisted and feebled and going mad, fumbling policy, and almost cutting ties and relationships with Britain entirely over perceived slights where, like, one of some British diplomats said something about his wife and he was about to, like... We will never speak with England again. So after WW, there was William G. Harding, who he was actually the very next president, I think, which he kind of had a cover up in his own right. Not so much of a sinister one where you have all these people pulling the strings behind the scenes. Basically, they said he died because he ate two boiled eggs in the same day. I won't tolerate egg slander on this show. But Harding had a messed up heart, and it cost him his life. Then they said it happened suddenly in a heart attack fashion. His White House doctor wasn't saying he should go golfing and do stump speeches all the time. I think we could solve a lot of political problems if we banned presidents from golfing. We haven't had an athletic president since Roosevelt, to be honest. And obviously, I'm not talking about the one in the wheelchair. We'll get to him. Actually, let's move right on to him. So, um, basically, Harding had a series of heart problems. They were always chalking it up to indigestion. He had eaten two boiled eggs in the same day. So the president would just be on the verge of collapsing at speeches in front of thousands of people. And they would have a press release the next day. It's like, oh, he had a bad piece of crab. Happens to the best of us. Right, old chap. When he, he eventually shit the bed, they're like, oh, I guess his heart was messed up the whole time. And everybody close to him knew it. So it's, and this is kind of the running theme of this episode specifically, like Grover Cleveland had all kinds of weird cancer dentistry stuff, but basically everybody here has heart problems. So FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, was quite possibly the biggest one of the medical frauds in American politics. And that's a bold claim from me, but I'm writing this outline before I finish the show. So I absolve myself of controversy. And if you're that incensed about a president 80-something-odd years ago, you've got other problems. So let's move on to America's favorite cripple before he was America's favorite cripple because some people didn't even know that much. Basically, before his election, FDR made every attempt to hide his late-in-life paralysis to the public. And he went so far as to uh, throw a pitch at the 1937 Red Sox Senators game. I guess at this point he had probably... This is probably going for like a second term or whatever, but he was limiting public appearances to not show that he couldn't walk and stuff. So when he was throwing the opening pitch at this baseball game, he literally drives out onto the field in like a big fancy Cadillac or whatever. 
and he had these steel leg braces that just like locked in place and he managed to stand for a minute or two with the help of the these metal bracings in his that were inside his pants it wasn't like super obvious that this was happening to throw out a pitch and then walk back into the car and drive off so he didn't even walk out onto the field he's like ah yeah i'm in great health check out this sick car and he throws the pitch and, and leaves without elaborating further and so that's the first part is that he was trying to hide that as much as possible which i mean i get i feel like nowadays people are much more accepting of things for like provisions for people who are disabled but back then i can see how that would have been a huge kind of political weakness or, or something like that but not only was he obviously in a wheelchair and everything but upon inspection doctors found his heart to be both enlarged and inflamed and who would have thought that the stress of the presidency isn't good for the heart after roosevelt's death his medical records disappeared from bethesda hospital where his personal physician was one of the only people that had access and who later wrote a book about how weird it was that the president died like that. It's just kind of funny that the dude is like, hmm, I think it is really weird that the president died like that, and I also am the only one that has access to his medical records, and they seem to disappear right after he died, so something, I, I feel like something fishy might be going on. It's like, it's like farting and blaming the dog, basically. It's like everybody knows it, it was you. And there's a ton of more info in uh, the book Ill-Advised about all the different Democrats vying for the vice presidency. None of it's really super relevant to my purposes, unless you're super interested in inter-party politics of the 1940s. But check out the book to hear about all the fun backstabbing going on. And it wasn't obviously a uniquely Democrat problem. Republicans went through this stuff too. It was a bipartisan political backstabbing problem. And that actually brings me to mention the book that most of this info comes from is it is ill-advised presidential health and the public trust by robert h farrell and you can actually read this book for yourself for free at archive.org and you can just rent it out from there so that's how i got most of this stuff that's a great website and i'll I'll link that in the notes as well and i I think i mentioned it last on part one there but either way i'm not going to go super deep into the vp politics stuff i feel like i even went deeper than i had to go a little bit earlier yeah i'm not gonna go deep into it or even shallow we all see how dirty politics is and just suffice to say it pretty much always has been so some of these points are a little bit out of order because obviously i just talked about how he died but at one point fdr had to go on a card parade through nyc and basically he had to pull over every few blocks into these different blockaded warehouses and stuff to it because it was raining and he got had to get changed into new clothes stripped down and dried off and take breaks it's not a big deal on its own it's just kind of funny that you know you would go three blocks and the president would turn off and then come out completely dry with like a new hairdo and then keep going down the thing but it just on top of everything else where there's this concentrated effort to always show the presidents in their best health and best light i I just think it's kind of interesting whereas now i mean you with the 24-hour news cycle and cameras always rolling that's what i i pretty much believe that back then we would not be seeing biden falling down the stairs again and again or him like walking into a bush or you know falling off his butt all this stuff that like none of that would have made it to film and in a lot of these cases with these presidents the secret service i was talking about the red sox game there's like one video of this that somebody managed to sneak out because everyone that was taking pictures the secret service would go over and bust their cameras up 
So there's all this concentrated effort to hide shit back then that it it just isn't really possible or practical now without some kind of like men in black thing that'll just sh- shut off all the cameras. Or was that Iron Man? We had the little button that shut off all the cameras around, whatever. But yeah, the, the administration basically tried not to acknowledge the fact that he was disabled. And, and more importantly, they tried not to acknowledge the fact that he had suffered a heart attack. I think he had like four Like, all these presidents had multiple heart attacks, many of them before even getting into office. And they're just like, yeah, should he he be allowed to go into the office? I don't know. Nor did they acknowledge the fact that he was fucking his cousin the whole time, but that's a whole other topic. Eleanor and FDR Roosevelt, FDR Roosevelt is like ATM machine, were fifth cousins. Which is like, I don't know, that's fairly far removed, but it's not, (laughs) you don't want to hear anybody bring up bring that up about your uh your partner or whatever so it wasn't long into his fourth term before roosevelt collapsed at his vacation home from a massive cerebral hemorrhage and you know what for what it's worth the dude got us most of the way through world war ii he had a lot of success doing so posthumously he was lauded for being an influential disabled figure but at the time there there was a concentrated multi-level multi-personal effort to keep all of that hidden from the public and it you know by and large it worked he had a lot of super popular policy stuff as well i mean you don't get elected to four consecutive terms without being you know somewhat popular And I guess what a lot of this boils down to, like I said at the beginning, is old white guys often have heart problems, which I guess is a less exciting topic than sinister cover-up. I think I was making this joke on in part one of this, where I was like, you know, eventually we're going to get to the point where the real nightmare is just what happens to overweight white males after the age of 50 or whatever. And I was saying that as a joke, like, oh, you know, we're going to run out of shit. We're going to run out of show content and just have to go into like comorbidities with uh, smoking. And so I, here we are. In the in the case of Eisenhower, it's a very similar story where his heart issues were played off to be indigestion or something else like that to the public and to all but his very closest medical staff and like his wife. In one case, he had a full-blown heart attack and his doctor essentially was like, he got an upset tummy. <laughs> Just like Woodrow Woodrow Ilson, that's funny. Um, Just like Woodrow Wilson eating two boiled eggs or whatever, or uh, Harding eating um, a tinned crab that that didn't agree with him. So even setting aside the fact that this is pretty much immoral to not bring people in on the truth, to a certain extent, I understand. Like, I don't need to hear about every time... Biden gets his prostate examined, but just the speculation of the president looking ill can cause economies to drop into freefall. And then there's also, you know, if we're telling the general public that the president has cancer or whatever, too, that the effort is to make the president not look weak. And there's a reason for that. It does make him look weak. And it, it if the American public knows, then the enemy knows or enemy countries or whatever know. So, like, there is an argument to be had here for these cover-ups. But at the same time, the fact that they're still covered, you know, decades after the president died, and you have to find it in some hidden warehouse somewhere where they somehow they forgot to shred all these documents. And I don't really know what the solution is. I mean, obviously more transparency overall, but there's there's only so much you can say. If we look uh, look back a few years ago to when RBG croaked, 
days before the official announcements, news tickers on all the mainstream news networks were saying that she had passed. Whoopsie, we saw we. I I don't know. It's one of those weird things where stuff is being obfuscated, or is it just is it an actual whoopsie? Personally, I feel like that was probably one of the few times that the news is being honest these days, and they had to take some time to figure out how to actually break the news that she had passed away. When it comes to Eisenhower, though, I think it was his chef four that gave him heart problems. Mrs. Eisenhower wasn't much of a looker, and. Uh, During his time in World War II, rumors swirled about this American general that had a young, hot British bird named Kay Summersby driving around in his Jeep all the time. There's this whole section of, like, probably on his, like, Wikipedia pages where you have a list of controversies, so I'm sure every president has one a mile long. But people are like, why do we have this random British lady doing all the chauffeuring and... There was all kinds of sexual impropriety rumors and stuff. I think most historians tend to agree that that was exaggerated, but it is a little weird. Anyway, when Eisenhower did have a big heart attack, I think this was his actual third heart attack. His doctor basically did the thing from UHF, the the Spatula City commercial, and hit him with the, all right, kids, let's go. And he just piled the president and his wife into just like his personal car instead of calling an ambulance. And they have an ambulance basically on staff. And he wasn't, like, laid down on a stretcher or anything. He was just sitting in the back. And basically the only precautions they took with him was just, for the love of God, keep the eggs away from the president. (laughs) And so there's, like, had this happened enough that the president's doctor was okay with, oh, you know what, just another, you know, minor heart attack will pile into the car and head over to the private hospital or whatever. Or was it just complete? medical disregard it's hard to say so following that drive over to the hospital which he did survive and some wonderful care there he managed to recover and despite the grim prognosis so too did the economy because this was one of those cases where they actually announced that the president was in the hospital and uh they did a press release and they said oh yeah you know it was just some indigestion maybe he was a little anxious or something it's like this was a world war ii general i don't think he was having a whole lot of my tummy hurts because of anxiety and they told that to the press and it was a big to do about it that they said yeah sure he made it everything's great president is in great health and as soon as the cameras shut off the white house staff and the hospital staff just like wipe all the sweat off their brow and they're basically like holy crap i can't believe they bought it And at this point, there's like three more chapters of White House doctors calling cardiac episodes indigestion, which which honestly, I'm just skimming now. I, I get it. Eisenhower had a messed up ticker. What's importantly is that the American public didn't know. For all they knew, he had just had a weak tummy. So while he was running for his second term, right after a heart attack, his doctors gave a press release conference basically saying, yeah, he's probably fine. He was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and the heart thing. They had come clean a little bit with with a you know a minor cardiac incident, and basically they had all the doctors come out and say, "Yeah, he's he's good to go." And some of them were going to be like, "Yeah, I mean, honestly, he's he's going to live, but I don't know if he can be president right now. It's kind of a high stress occupation." And then his main doctor is just like, "Yeah, he's got you know five to." 10, 15 years of good, strong physical activity and sports, and he's fit as a fiddle. What was it that uh, Trump's doctor said? That whole thing? It was like, 
It is without a doubt that this man would be the fittest one ever elected into the office of the presidency. It's just like complete fucking nonsense. And, you know, maybe this Crohn's disease diagnosis was karma or chaos magic or some kind of weird universal comeuppance because of all the times that the press was saying he had a hurt tummy. At the same time, it's, it's, I feel like it's not something that just, you know, oh, it just so happens that you just discover this at one point. I feel like you kind of know at some point. And I, I don't know. I truly believe that there's an element of putting stuff out there to God, to the universe, to the uncaring ether. And you may inadvertently inflict it on yourself where, you know, your thoughts and what you you put out into the world become your reality. I mean, you can ask my wife. You can ask her if, <laughs> if I ever admit that I'm sick. But Eisenhower, being an obstinate bastard, ate tons of celery all the same. Basically, they're telling him, stay away from eggs, stay away from tin crab, and most of all, stay away from raw vegetables. And he would always just be like, yeah, yeah, whatever, screw you, I'm gonna have a salad. And so he ate a ton of celery, and it just ended up plugging him up big time they had to operate and do a bypass to like stitch parts of his guts back together so they're just like this cluster of celery up in his intestines this whole chunk of his intestines that's basically a lost cause so we're just gonna cinch that off and reconnect it elsewhere so that we'll just buy that's what a bypass is essentially and shortly after that, and a modest recovery, so the, the surgery and stuff works, he suffered a stroke. Again. And again, they lied to the press about it, who lied to the people about the lie. I think you're seeing a pattern here, right? I, I the, the pattern is I don't think being president is good for your heart. There's a couple more to cover briefly, though, because we only know this much about far back presidents because of all the information coming out decades later. A luxury that we as historians don't have until, well, decades later. So we don't we don't know actually what's wrong with Clinton or Bush or Obama or Biden or Trump or any or any of them. I mean we can draw some some inferences, but we if we go back, we have the case of John F. Kennedy's Addison's disease, his addictions and let's call it his proclivities. But I have a whole episode planned down the line on JFK and his insane doctor pumping him full of monkey cum. I think that guy's name was Max Max Jacobson. But there's um this really great book about who who went by Dr. Feelgood and basically everyone in everyone who was anyone in like the late 50s early 60s was going to see this guy and he was just shooting them up with horse pee mixed with like meth to get people get people a little bit of pep in their step it's like the original formula of the uh what is it jacked (laughs) pre-workout kennedy was also another person whose brain was stolen alongside einstein and mozart for more on brain theft and einstein check out episode 35 that was a fun one so for now we'll gloss over kennedy and just kind of briefly go over it because if there's anyone that is a gold mine of weird stories and conspiracy content it's the man himself jfk so in short addison's disease is like a low occurrence of certain hormones in the body leading to pain blood pressure issues skin darkening uh lower back issues in women interestingly it led yeah it led to reduced 
sexual drive, which I don't think was a case that was a symptom that JFK suffered himself. It leads to a whole host of other issues. And back then it was basically a diagnosis on par with cancer. Like it wasn't something that like you could live with it for a while, but it wasn't something that anybody really fully recovered from or got fixed. And towards the end of his life, Kennedy could barely even move despite his youthful appearance. In a lot of the same ways as FDR, it's all these three uh, three-letter presidents have all these problems. He had like back braces on under all his suits that were keeping him upright and ability to like sit or stand. But the whole time that he was campaigning for the White House and stuff, he, he basically just lied about having the disease. And while he was in the office as well, he was like, maybe I have a mild case of Addison's disease, but I'm not really like those other old guys that get it and croak, you know, whatever. I found a kind of funny direct quote from Kennedy when people were furious that he had chosen Johnson and his running as his running mate, and that was as follows. Again, with the vice presidential politics. Let's get one thing clear. I'm 43 years old, and I'm the healthiest candidate for the president in the United States. I'm not going to die in office, so the vice presidency means nothing. Oh, Marilyn. Yeah, that one didn't age well, huh? (laughs) Moving on from Kennedy. Reagan was shot. In 81, and he might have been even more grievously wounded than everyone let on. So that could have been a kind of cover-up. And when he had an operation on his colon later on for prostate cancer screening or otherwise, information on it was held very close to the chest the entire time until afterwards. And now we're getting to much more modern stuff where you have like a different sort of cover-up. Where now TV is obviously a big thing. There's different stuff happening. So these ones aren't quite as insidious as they were before. Later on, there's Reagan's Alzheimer's diagnosis, which he announced to the world in 1994. Some people think that that diagnosis came much earlier, even when he was president in 89. I think that that's an interesting theory, and the dude had some pretty fucking bad ideas mixed in with his good ones. But just given the prognosis of Alzheimer's, of about a five to 10 year life expectancy after diagnosis mixed with the fact that that gets even shorter if you're diagnosed into your 80s, which he was. And that's today. That's not 20 years ago. uh, The timeline just doesn't really add up for me. I mean, there might be some kind of early onset symptoms. I I don't know too much about Alzheimer's, but I I don't think that he was completely stark raving mad at the end of his presidency. And then at the end of uh, the book, there's a few paragraphs about George H.W. Bush. I think the the book came out in 92. So there's just a couple of paragraphs about him throwing up on the prime minister of Japan, a glorious bit of history that's captured on YouTube. And I'll throw that in the show notes. And I had never heard of that incident. And it's he, it looks like he's about to collapse. And I mean, it's not great. But then like somebody puts a, a, a napkin over his mouth and he just sprays throw up all over the prime minister. It's, it's pretty hilarious looking back now, knowing that he didn't die immediately after that. And because of the linear nature of time and the book being published in 92, it also didn't talk anything about the Alzheimer's diagnosis with Reagan because it hadn't happened yet and that just goes to show that like this stuff comes out over time obviously so like we don't know what 
is going to come out down the line about, you know, presidents that we all know about now. So in in short, you just got to believe that hiding the health of the commander in chief is not a new thing and it ain't going away anytime soon. So the next time you hear about Biden or Trump or Obama or anybody else eating a bad bit of crab or a boiled egg that didn't agree with them, or they're taking a family vacation nearby a world-class hospital, instead of just playing golf and signing one paper every three months and basically bending the country over, they're probably having a dramatic cardiac episode and are on the brink of death Or, honestly, at this point, they're probably just incinerated immediately and replaced by a cloned homunculus. But I digress. The fact of the matter is, if you care about your heart, eat your Honey Nut Cheerios, and for the love of God, do not get yourself elected president. That's pretty much all I've got this week, but I have some fun stuff coming down the line. We're doing more cryptids and alien encounters in September here, and we're going whole hog for October on one of history's greatest monsters. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for your patience with episode frequency. It has been a tumulty, tumultuous summer, and I should be able to ramp up that production soon come fall and winter here, but we'll see what happens. I'm glad to have you along for the ride either way. I'd say sweet dreams, but we all know it's only going to be nightmares now. Stay away from the tin crab. <laughs>